Uh, we're going to pray, and then we're going to jump into the Word. Heavenly Father, we come to you right now in the name of Jesus, and I pray that as we get into your Word, Father, that you would speak through me, that it's not my words, but yours. In the name of Jesus, and everybody said, amen. amen. What we're going to be talking about is promises to live by. Uh, the Bible is the Bible has about over 5,000 promises that God has made uh, to you and to, to the church and uh, to, to Christians in general. Um, and, and, and there's about over 5,000 promises that God has made to us. And one of the most devastating things about not reading your Bible is you don't read those promises and you don't know what they are. Uh, Jeremiah 29, 11, which is on the wall, uh, that is a promise that God has made to us, right, as his people. And here's the amazing thing about God is, see, God uh, gave that to Jeremiah, who was a prophet, and Jeremiah spoke that over the Israelites when they were in captivity in Babylon. Okay, thousands of years ago, and they were, they were slaves there, and Jeremiah came out and said, hey, God's got a plan for your life. He's going to prosper you, not harm you, and they're in captivity. But God was big enough to understand that, hey, the Israelites need this right now, but I know that, you know, thousands of years later, there's going to be people in Tulia, Texas, who are going to need this verse too. And so that's the thing about the Bible is you can't think, well, oh, you know, you read things and you think, oh, well, that was for the Israelites. No, that's for the family of God, and because of Jesus, you are in that family, and everything in the Bible applies to you. Okay, everything that God spoke over the Israelites, everything that Jesus spoke that God was going to do applies to you. None of it uh, doesn't because, well, that was for them, or that was for the old days, or that was for back then. Uh, that's not true. Everything that God gives to them uh, is given to us as well. And so I don't want you to think, well, that doesn't apply to me, or that doesn't, you know, you know go towards me. Uh, one of the things in our culture is is our word, uh, you, you know, cannot mean things. You know, 50 years ago, when you bought a car, you shook hands, right? You shook hands to make the agreement of that I'm going to buy this car. Uh, I couldn't go down to the Ford house and say, I want a brand new F-250, and, and we're going to shake on it, right? They would get paperwork out, and I have to sign and give them all my information and how much money I make and Social Security and driver's license, and they want all this information to know that you can make these payments, right? They wouldn't sell me a house uh, for $300,000 in town and then look at my financials because they would know you can't pay for this house. We're not selling it to you. And we moved into kind of a place in our culture where our word doesn't mean anything. Uh, our word holds no merit, right? And, and you can probably think of people or know people that you see and you think if they tell you they're going to do something, you know, they've got good intentions, but there's a real chance they're probably not going to do it. And we've all been there and we've all done that of, oh, hey, man, I'm, I'm going to do this for you. And then, you know, time kind of goes around and you think, oh, I never did that. And our word can kind of not hold any weight. And I want to show you that God uh, is not like that, that God's word does hold weight, and that when God said something, even if it was thousands of years ago, it still applies today. Now, I'm going to jump in at Joshua 23, verse 14. Now, I want you to kind of understand where Joshua's at and what he's talking about. Joshua helped Moses, and uh, he was a young man when they got out of Egypt. Now, in this, at the end of Joshua 23, he's an old man. Moses has long been dead, and Joshua is about to die himself, and he gathers up the people of Israel, and he begins to talk to him. Now, these people that, that he's talking to, they were probably children when they walked through the Red Sea. When God split, you know, Moses walks out and puts his staff in and splits it, they were all kids. All of their parents are gone, 
right? And, and so they were probably kids, and some of them probably weren't even there and heard the stories. And he says, now I'm about to go the way of all the earth. We're saying, I'm about to die. Uh, you know with all your heart and soul that not one of all of the good promises the Lord your God gave you has failed. Every promise has been fulfilled. Not one has failed. And he's telling the people of Israel that everything God said he was going to do, he's done. He's telling them, you can't tell me. He says he knows with all your heart and soul that all of the promises that God gave us, none of them have failed. And that every promise has been fulfilled and not one has failed. And he's telling them everything God said he's going to do, that he's going to deliver us out of Egypt, that he's going to, you know, he was going to save us and take us, you know, into the, the you know, this great land and, and this amazing place. And he's done all of these things. And he's saying that not one promise has failed. God didn't, it's not like they had a list, you know, of 10 things that God was going to do. And they could look at this list and say, well, he did six of them. But, you know, there was four that, that he, he never got around to. Right, when I, when I was growing up, when I was a kid, I always wanted to build a, uh, like a fort or like a tree house. We never had a good enough tree for a tree house. And, you know, Dad and I would sit down and we would like draw it out and what it's going to look like, you know. But we just never got around to it. And, and we never built one. And he always says he's going to get one for Annie. And I'm like, no, you can't because you didn't get me one. She doesn't get one. And so too bad, so sad, you're not building a fort for Annie, poor kid, because uh, I'm bitter. Uh, but that's not how it was for the Israelites. It's not like Joshua got up and said, oh, man, you know, God did all these great things, but here's the list of things he didn't do. So, you know, good for y'all, and, and I'm about to die. He's saying that he did everything he said he was going to do. And <clears throat> in Numbers 23, verse 19, it says, God is not human that he should lie, not a human being that he should change his mind. Uh, and they're asking these like in, in questions, these last two, does he speak and then not act? <laughs> Does he promise and not fulfill? And he's saying that, no, he doesn't do that. What I want you to understand is God is not human, okay? And, and I, know, I know everybody in the room would say, well, we know that. But when you really think about it, God's not human. God's not going to lie, and he's not going to change his mind. God's not going to promise you something and then later on change his mind. You're not going to look in the word of God and see something that God gave you that you could have, just like Jeremiah 29, 11, and then say, well, that doesn't really apply to you anymore. There's no stipulations on the promises of God. Okay, G uh, God took all his anger and wrath out on Jesus on the cross. So you have to understand this morning that God's not mad at you. And that's what we think. Well, God doesn't want to give this to me because of the way I live. Do you know that heaven is going to be full of sinners? I'm being serious. Do you know that heaven is going to be full of sinners? There's always a joke that when we get to heaven, we'll have to be quiet because the church of Christ, or the, they think they'll be the only ones there. Right? You know, and that's just like, that's like kind of like a joke. And it's like, but, but. You know, heaven is going to be full of sinners. The only people that won't be in heaven are the ones who reject Jesus. That's it. The only ones that aren't in heaven are going to be the ones who reject Jesus. I mean, you know, this is scary, and preachers don't want to preach this kind of stuff, but it's not based on what, the way you live. It's based on what you believe. And, that, and that's what you have to understand is that God isn't withholding something from you because of, well, who you are, the way you've lived, or what you've done. And so I, I wanted to read these scriptures to you, and I wanted you to understand that 
the promises of God that were written in the Bible thousands of years ago still apply today. That God hasn't changed his mind or changed the way he thinks or thinks, well, I don't want to give that to y'all like I wanted to give to them uh, because God does. And so what we're talking about is promises to live by. And what I'm going to do is, is I'm going to show you that the promises in the Bible, how to use them, how to apply them to your life on a daily basis. And there, there's some simple things that you can begin to do to make that happen. And so I want to read you a verse out of Proverbs 18.21. Uh, and it says, the tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. Now, this is the New Living Translation. In the New King James, it says the tongue can bring death or life, and those who love it will eat its fruit. It just says that the tongue can bring death or life, and those who love it will eat its fruit. And that never really kind of made sense. It's like, what do you mean if I love it, I'm going to eat its fruit? And what it's talking about is that you have two options when you talk. When you speak, you're either speaking death or you're speaking life. And whichever one you speak, you're going to reap the consequences of it. However you talk, you're going to reap the consequences of what you say. The things that you speak right now are determining the course of your life. Okay, now let me, let me say it again. The things that you're speaking right now in your life, the things that you speak about and come out of your mouth are determining the course of your life. The things that you speak over your kids are determining the course of their life. Okay, see, and, and I, I've been around so many people that, that have kids, and they kind of give their kids little, you know, nicknames like, oh, that's just our bedwetter, right? You know, if they're wet in the bed, oh, that's just our, our little bed. I've been around people, oh, that's just our little bedwetter, that's the little bed. And it's like, that, that's what you choose to speak over your kids. Or, or, or you know, oh, that, that one's just not the smartest one out of, out of, out of the bunch, you know, that, that one, you know, they're good at some other things, but they're just not very smart. They don't do very good in school. And, right, you don't mean bad by it. You, you're thinking, well, I'm just telling like it is. <clears throat> and I've been, I was uh, talking to a group of people, and this lady was talking about her daughter, a young little girl, and how they were at the grocery store, and she could see herself, the little girl could, in the glass front of, like, the freezer section, and how she started, like, dancing and making faces at herself. And her mom kind of told the story and began to make fun of the little girl, kind of making fun of her for acting like that. No, she's, you know, our little weirdo, our little quirky one. And it's like, that's what you choose to speak over your kids. And what you're speaking over them is either death or life, and then you reap the consequences of it. Oh, that's just our little troublemaker. Oh, that's just our little tyrant, right? And we give little nicknames uh, based on their personalities of, oh, they're, they're just, they're a little terror that, you know, oh, you know, and we begin to speak things over our situations, over our marriage, over our finances, over our jobs, you know, oh, my job sucks. I hate my job. Nothing's ever going to change in my life. Nothing ever good happens to me. You know, uh, I, I'm never going to get a raise. I'm never going to make any more money. We're going to live in this tiny little house forever. Well, I'm never going to get the life that I want to live and you're constantly speaking death over your life and you're reaping the consequences every day right and we have to choose to change the way that we talk now God is a huge believer in words right God himself is a huge believer in in speaking and what you say has power and I think it's so interesting that Genesis chapter 1 now I'm going to jump through some verses pretty quick uh, this is Genesis 1, you know, it's like 3, 6, 9, 11, 14, 20, 24, and 26. 
Okay, so I'm just gonna jump in. I wanna show you this. Okay, verse three, Genesis chapter one says, then God said, let there be light, and there was light. Verse six, then God said, let there be space between the waters to separate the waters of the heavens from the waters of the earth. Verse nine, then God said, let the waters beneath the sky flow together into one place so dry ground may appear. And that is what happened. Verse 11, then God said, uh, let the land sprout with vegetation, every sort of seed-bearing plant and trees that grow with seed-bearing fruit. Uh, And that's what happened. Verse 14, then God said, let the lights appear in the sky and separate day from night. He's talking about the sun and the moon. Uh, Let them be signs to mark the season, days, and years. Verse 20, uh, then God said, let the waters swarm with fish and other life. Let the skies be filled with birds of every kind. Verse 24, then God said, let the earth produce every sort of animal, each producing offspring of the same kind of livestock, you know, and small animals. uh, and, And that's what happened. Verse 26, then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us and they will reign over the fish of the sea the birds of the sky and all of the animals okay now the reoccurring thing that happens in this is then god said now think about god's god he could have created the earth in any way he wanted to if he wanted to use his hands he could have used his hands if he wanted to use a wand and say then god uh swirled a wand and the earth appeared he could have done that god could have done whatever he wanted but i think it's very intentional that the very first chapter of the bible is about creation and god used words to create it god spoke and then at the end of that chapter he ends with i want to make let's make human beings in our image to be like us He is setting an example and showing you that the image you've been made in and that your words have power, that your words have the power to create life or to create death, right? We've all heard the statement that sticks and stones break bones, you know, but words will never hurt me, right? And we know that's baloney, that most of us would rather take a broken arm than words be spoken over us, especially from people uh, that love us and care about us or that we love and that we care about or that we look up to, and they can say a hurtful thing, and that can be carried with you for decades, for the rest of your life, things that have been spoken over you, right? And, and And we know that and we understand that. And so you have to be so careful. You have to be so aware of what you're saying, right? Ladies, if you say, my husband's just never going to change, right? You get with all your friends, and, and you all start complaining about your husbands. And, and you, my husband's never going to change, and he won't do this, and he won't do that. You're speaking death over your husband. Okay, now I'm, I'm, I'm jumping ahead of myself, and I don't want to. Uh, well, no, I'm not. I'm right here. Man, I'm right on track, Megan. I'm tearing it up. Romans 4.17 says, As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God in whom uh, he believed. Okay, what they're talking about, Paul wrote Romans. Paul's talking about Abraham. And he's talking about that uh, it's written, you know, back in Genesis, uh, like chapter 10, that I've made you the father of many nations. We know that God took Abram, that was his name before, and he took him out and showed him the stars in the sky and says, that's how many kids you're going to have. And, and then Paul's talking about it, and he jumps down and says, the God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. Maybe you've heard this, the statement of call those things that be not as though they were. If you've been in church very long, you've heard that statement of call those things that be not as though they were. And if you've ever wondered what in the Sam Hill does that mean, That's what they're talking about right there in Romans. It says that God calls into being things that were not. See, God told Abraham before he ever had kids that you're going to have kids, that you're going to have so many that it's going to be the stars of the sky. That's how many kids you're going to have. You can't even count them all. 
right? His poor wife is thinking, what in the world is going on, right? And what he was telling him is, you're going to have a son, and that the Jewish nation is going to come from that son. And then later on, when Jesus dies on the cross and raises from the dead, we're going to open up the door to the world. And all of us right now are considered the sons and daughters of Abraham because of Jesus Christ and because of the promise God gave to him. And I think it's so amazing that Paul throws in there that God called into being things that were not. God told him that before it happened. Right? Isn't it interesting that God didn't give him a son and say, you're going to be a dad. Here's a son. He said, no, you're going to be a dad, and I'm going to call it into existence. And that's what you have to do. In your marriage, you have a bad marriage, you begin to speak that you have a good marriage. Your husband won't take out the trash. Every time you walk to the dumpster with the trash, you say, my husband takes out the trash. Every single day, my husband takes out the trash. And what are you doing? You're doing just what God did, and you're calling it to be as it was. You're calling it into existence. I heard a pastor say one time that if you want a new car, clean out a spot in your garage for you to park your new car, right? And put duct tape down where it goes. Well, people come in your garage, what's that for? That's for my new pickup. And they're like, you're a lunatic. That's right, that's for my new pickup. Don't, don't run into my new pickup. Move your car over, right? Out in your driveway, you rope off an area. What's that for? That's for my new pickup. That's what God did with Abraham. He told him over and over and over again, you're, you're going to be a dad. And he said, uh, you know, God, Sarah's, Sarah's 90. You know, I'm 90. There was no Viagra back then. Uh, there were some complications, right? Right? Uh, and, 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 but God said, no, it's going to happen. I'm going to give you a son. I'm going to give you a son, and the whole Jewish nation is going to be born out of that. The whole church is going to be born out of that, and you're going to be the father of everybody. And that's what God did. That's what God promised him, and that's what God gave to him because he called it into existence. Right? When you're struggling uh, raising your kids or, or whatever, they're going through whatever phase they're going through, right? Oh, the terrible twos, right? You know, it's like I'm not going to confess that over my kids. I'm not going to say, oh, my kid's just going through terrible twos. 